The Spirit of God being with us, it really speaks about the Spirit of God. And some have called this the wooing of the Holy Spirit, this drawing of the Holy Spirit to cause you to realize that you need Jesus, that you're a sinner, that you need Jesus to be saved from your sin. This is the Spirit's work prior to you becoming a believer. What drew you to Christ? Well, it was my mom. Well, it was my dad. A friend invited me. But the Spirit of God was also working in that. And He was drawing you, helping you to understand, to open your blind eyes that you could see. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. And we'll go ahead and read from 6 through 12. And it says, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So three things that the Lord gave us, and we gave you two last week, and now you have the third. The first being the falling away needed to come first the revelation of the man of sin. But before the man of sin is revealed, we find that the restrainer that's mentioned in verse 6 and also in verse 8, the restrainer has to be taken out, taken out of the way. And so the question is, who is this restrainer? And that's what we want to look at a little bit more today and also look into the man of sin. And I want to ask the Lord to bless this time of teaching. And Father, we've read your word in context now. We've looked at it. Now, Lord, as we break it down, we pray that you don't allow me to take anything out of context, but, Lord, that we would open our eyes, you'd open our eyes, Lord, to see the truths that are hidden there, the gems, Lord, that we can take home today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So now you know what is restraining. Last week, when we closed out in verse 5, Paul said, 
Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And so Paul was teaching on this very difficult topic to church of baby Christians. Today, as I mentioned last week, there are many churches that won't even touch the topic that we're looking at today. The reason they don't touch these topics is because they deem it as too difficult to understand. And it's too controversial, and we're not quite sure anyways. And so they stay away from portions of Scripture, like Second Thessalonians chapter 2, or like the whole book of Revelation, which is the next book I'm planning to go into. There's an author that wrote a book in 1918, I believe. His name was Clarence Larkin. And he wrote a book called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It was a commentary to the book of Revelation. In the introduction to his work, he said, in doing this, I take on basically the risk of having God put every plague upon me that's written in the book of Revelation. Because it says in the book of Revelation, if you add to or take away from it, all the plagues that are mentioned here will be given to you. I really like the guy. He really, he wasn't a pastor. He was just a layman. He was an artist and he drew some pretty tremendous pictures to kind of give you a, a focus of the book of Revelation. And some of those pictures even made the 1960s, 70s movies that came out, if you remember, The Thief in the Night and A Distant Thunder, those three movies that came out, his drawings made it into that movie. But I liked his attitude. But we also find in the book of Revelation that the Lord has given us a promise that he blessed those who read it, who hear it, and do the things that are written there. And so it's something that we're not to stay away from. If you want to be blessed by God, God is saying, hey, read the book, listen to it, being read and do the things that are found in there. And so I believe as a church that we should desire to want to be blessed. And so we look into these things that seemingly seem to be hard. For the church in Thessalonica, Paul was reminding them that I told you these things. Now he's telling them again. So he had already talked to them about the restrainer. In verse 6, it says, now you know what is restraining. So apparently they knew. Today we don't. Because there has been, in church history, a debate about who the restrainer is. Now, I noticed in the New King James, in verse 7, when they're talking about him who restrains, that they put the he in capital letters, which in the New King James is already, the uh, translators of the New King James are telling you that this is deity here. All other translations that I looked into, and I got at least 12 or so on my computer, all other ones left that he in small case. The problem in the Greek is there was no capital letters, and so it was all in small case letters. And so every capital letter, every comma, every period has been inserted by the translators to help us better understand the text, but that's not how it was originally uh, scribed or written. The New King James, the translators of the New King James, already look at the restrainer as deity. And I agree with them, but we'll get to that in a moment. Church history of past has seen the restrainer as the Roman Empire and its emperor, Claudius, as the force that was holding back the coming of Jesus Christ. I purchased back in November uh, the Geneva Bible. It was written in 1599. And the advertisement of this, this is the Bible the pilgrims came over with, you know. So this is the one you want to get. And it's like those who love the 1611 King James. And for them, that's the Bible you got to have. But with the Geneva Bible, 
they have commentary on the bottom portion. And so of the verses, they have commentary. And in that commentary, they were saying that the restrainer was the Roman Empire and the emperor. And so I had this from two different sources, from one of the Bibles I was looking at this week, and then one of the commentators who make comment to this. And there is a preterist view that simply means that all of the fulfillment of the second coming of Christ and the advent of that, the millennial reign, all took place with the destruction of the temple in AD 70. And so all these prophecies, it's seen as a preterist view that it's already been fulfilled and that we are somewhat, as a church, been misdirected in understanding these prophecies. Later on, in the 1800s and the early 1900s, they thought that the restraining force was Christian missionaries. They're getting close. They were literally saying it was the missionaries, the people, who was holding back. Still others believe that the restraining force, and this kind of goes along with the Roman Empire church or human government, is the restraining force that's keeping the Antichrist from coming on the scene and Satan to have his way. Our government's great, isn't it? I am proud to be an American, but we have a lot of problems in our government. And so I don't know how history, if the Lord's going to hang on long enough for us to have a history of the current years we're living through, but human government is not the restraining force. I don't believe that's true. Christian missionaries, I said they're getting close because I believe it was the spirit that was in the missionaries. I believe it's the spirit that's in the church today. It's the spirit Spirit of God that is the restraining force that is holding back the revelation, and it's the same word that's used for the revelation of Jesus Christ, also the revealing of the Antichrist. I believe it's the Spirit of God that's holding this revelation of this man of sin, this lawless one, the son of perdition. This title, son of perdition, was used once before concerning a man. His name was Judas. And Jesus said of him at one point that it would have been better if he had not been born. And I think what applies to both of these men is that Jesus knew then, and, and God knows as he's revealing it to us here in Scripture, that there is no hope for salvation for Judas. I had a pastor that I served under. He was interesting in many ways, but he told me at one time he believed that we'd see Judas in heaven. And I thought, where did you get that from? He's known as the son of perdition because Jesus saying it had been better if he had not been born, that there was no hope for salvation. I believe there was opportunity for Judas to be saved, but he remorsed over his sin. He never repented of his sin before he hung himself there after Jesus was arrested. This coming lawless one, the son of perdition also, we read in here that he will be destroyed in verse 8 by the brightness of the Lord's coming by the breath of his mouth. And so there's no hope for this guy, but he's got to come on the scene and deceive the world. He's got to deceive many. And I believe it's the church of God with the empowering of the Holy Spirit that's restraining at this time. It's always been that way and that the Spirit has worked with the church in Mark 16, 20. It closes out by saying, and they went out and preached everywhere and the Lord working with them, confirming the word through accompanying signs. The Lord working with them, the empowering of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The book of Acts, we see it vividly lived out as the early church went forth and being spirit-filled. 
God working with them, at times even asking the Holy Spirit to to work in Acts chapter 4 where they prayed for boldness, to work through mighty signs and wonders. And so it's the Spirit of God. It's not the church apart from the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God working through the church. When I was growing up and raised in a denomination that believed much like we believe in the pre-tribulational rapture of the church, the tribulation itself, the second coming of Christ. There was a teaching, and I don't know if I was just young, but this is how I remember being taught in this area that they taught that the Holy Spirit would be taking away this restrainer, that the Spirit of God would be removed from the earth. Now, that's not a true teaching. God's Spirit is going to still be active upon the earth, but he'll be working in a different way. Right now, there is an opportunity that will not be given during the time of tribulation. There's an opportunity where the Spirit of God is working with individuals, working in individuals, and coming upon individuals. Jesus promised this to us in Scripture. The Spirit of God being with us, it really speaks about the Spirit of God. And some have called this the wooing of the Holy Spirit this drawing of the Holy Spirit to cause you to realize that you need Jesus, that you're a sinner, that you need Jesus to be saved from your sin. This is the Spirit's work prior to you becoming a believer. What drew you to Christ? Well, it was my mom. Well, it was my dad. A friend invited me. But the Spirit of God was also working in that. And he was drawing you helping you to understand and to open your blind eyes that you could see. And so the Spirit with us, it's always been during the life of the church since Jesus ascended into heaven, that the Spirit was there working with those who would believe, but also the Spirit in us. I often refer to John and Jesus after he resurrected and the first time he came to his disciples, Scripture saying, he breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. See, they believed in Jesus prior to his death, but they misunderstood the mission of Jesus at that time. The disciples, for most of the time that they walked on this earth, was looking to Jesus to be that second coming Christ instead of the first coming Christ. They were waiting for him to finally be conqueror. Some say that's why Judas betrayed him that he would corner him in such a way that he would have to reveal himself, have to show himself. But they didn't realize that he was coming to be that servant that was going to offer his life upon the cross. Once the offering was given, once the death took place, once the blood was shed, but then also the burial and the resurrection, the gospel which Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians 15, his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, Salvation was available to all mankind. And I believe that's why Jesus said to the disciples and breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. And I believe it's the very same thing that happens to each of us as we believe. The Holy Spirit's the one who got us there. And he said, Okay, now you've got a choice to make. You're either going to believe in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, or you're not. He gets us there. And then once we make that choice to believe, He then enters into us. We find that we become the temples of God and that that we are sealed unto the day of redemption by the work of the Holy Spirit. He becomes that 
guarantee as Paul refers to in Ephesians chapter 1. But then there's the ministry of the Holy Spirit where he is willing to come upon us. Now, I believe that this is available for every Christian, but I don't believe every Christian knows this gifting of the Holy Spirit. So there is this coming upon, and I believe it's available for us. We've seen it happen, the Lord talking about it to the church, early church in the book of Acts, and we find it in Acts chapter 2 when they went forth and almost 3,000 people were saved that day. We find it in Acts chapter 4 when they prayed for boldness. They were asking for the Holy Spirit to fill them again. And so they were praying for this coming upon. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit available to each of us, he draws us to the Lord, he's with us. He enters into us, and that's salvation. He seals us until the day of our redemption. And he also will come upon us. I believe personally that can be coming upon us at certain times for certain services for him. And so it could be that the Lord comes upon you and it could be a one-time event to where he knows you need to say something to a certain individual. He knows the words that you need to say. He knows what that person needs to hear. He comes upon you in such a way that you realize that you're ministering the word of God and you realize it's not even coming from you. You hear it coming out of your mouth, but you realize it's the Lord doing it. The Lord does a unique work in your life. And so the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, working in the church, holding back the hand of Satan. So there is this coming upon, and I believe it's available for us. We've seen it happen, the Lord talking about it to the church, early church in the book of Acts, and we find it in Acts chapter 2 when they went forth and Almost 3,000 people were saved that day. We find it in Acts chapter 4 when they prayed for boldness. They were asking for the Holy Spirit to fill them again. And so they were praying for this coming upon. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit available to each of us. He draws us to the Lord. He's with us. He enters into us. and That's salvation. He seals us until the day of our redemption. And he also will come upon us. I believe personally that can be coming upon us at certain times for certain services for him. And so it could be that the Lord comes upon you, and it could be a one-time event to where he knows you need to say something to a certain individual. He knows the words that you need to say. He knows what that person needs to hear. He comes upon you in such a way that you realize that you're ministering the word of God, and you realize it's not even coming from you. You hear it coming out of your mouth, but you realize it's the Lord doing it. The Lord does a unique work in your life. And so the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, working in the church, holding back the hand of Satan. Another thing that we should take comfort in this, it says now in verse 6, you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. And in verse 7, he who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way, is that Satan is under God's control. Satan would love to be over God. He attempted to do so. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28 speak about this. But Satan is under God's control, and Satan can only do what God allows him to do. The story of Job. We have Satan coming before the Lord in Job chapter 1, and the Lord saying to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, 
One who fears God and shuns evil. And Satan returned back to God and said, yeah, you've built this hedge of protection around him. Take down that hedge of protection. Let me get at him and he'll curse you to the face. And the Lord said, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. And so in the story of Job, we see that Satan had limited power in regards to what he could do to Job. Satan has limited power today in this day and age that we live in. But what Scripture is teaching us here, that one day the restraining force will be removed and there'll be no longer this limited power. And for seven years, there is going to be literally hell on this earth. And if many in the world thinks things are bad now, they ain't seen nothing yet. That he may be revealed in his own time. Paul in Acts 17.31, talking to the crowd on Mars Hill, said that God has appointed a day. Now there he's referring to Jesus coming to judge the world in righteousness. But just as God has appointed a day for the coming of Jesus, there is also a appointed day when the revelation of the Antichrist will take place. That he will come in his own time. And it's the time which God ordained. Again, remember that it's in God's control. Ultimately, as we know, God wins. As frightening and as mysterious as this may seem to us. And in verse 7, it talks about the mystery. It says, for the mystery of the lawless one is already at work. It describes him as a mystery. There are things that we don't understand surrounding the coming of the Antichrist. Many things have been given to us in Scripture, but there are certain things that have been held back. I believe one of the reasons the Lord has done this is because if everything would be revealed, then those who, as we later on get to in verses 10 and 12, referring to those who did not believe the love of the truth, that they might be saved, those who had pleasure in unrighteousness, that they would be condemned. If everything would have been revealed, it would be no secret, no surprise, no mystery. But the Lord has given us much. The Antichrist was revealed to Daniel. Now, as the Lord revealed these events to Daniel, he said, seal up the book. It's not for your time. But I believe that seal has been taken off the book and that it is for our time today. We get a lot of description in Revelation 13, 1 through 8. I would encourage you to read that for yourself. It talks about the dragon, Satan, empowering the beast, the Antichrist, and the power that he gives him, and the signs and wonders that will be done, and the deception of the people. And so there's a lot given to us, but there's still a mystery surrounding it. There's a mystery. But we also see here that the mystery of the lawless one is already at work. It was already at work then. It's already at work now. It continues to work to this day. That the spirit of the Antichrist, John said in 1 John 4, 3, which you have heard was coming is already in the world. And so that spirit that's been battling against the Lord, Satan, been set in opposition against the Lord since his fall. There are some who believe that they'll have no opportunity for salvation. And so this kind of blows out the whole left behind novels because that's where a lot of those guys is, oh, we missed it. We better get saved now. But what if they're wrong? And what if those who believe that this is the sealing of their fate? If you don't believe in Christ now 
and the rapture of the church happens, there was one, Pastor Chuck was talking to a man, and the man says that when that happens, I'll believe in Christ then. And Chuck came back to him and said something that I thought was pretty wise and timely. He says, if you can't live for Christ now, why do you think you'll be able to die for him then? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make that opportunity. Because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I pray that each one of you have made that choice. Perhaps the Lord has been dealing in your heart as a believer. You've been grieving the Holy Spirit as I was as a teenager, and he's been offering you victory. You've been unwilling to accept the victory that the Holy Spirit's been offering to you. Perhaps today the Lord wants to give you that victory in your life. Not that you're not saved, but the Lord knows that he has so much more for you, and you know it too. But you're choosing to live in the flesh instead of to walk in the Spirit. Whatever the Lord is working in your heart, we pray, Father, that you would work now. If you'd prick our heart, Lord, I pray that we lift it up toward you. And Lord, we just want to give you opportunity now before we close to work in our hearts this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.